0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Mike, from
2: Shawley's Fitness in Brockville, Ontario, Canada. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, good. Thanks, Don. Appreciate you having me on here. Uh, great opportunity, I guess, just talk about everything in general. And yeah, good stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, every, every fitness owner, every, every coach, every PT that we found has, has something unique going on, has some way that they're touching their community and, and doing things, changing lives. So tell us about your gym, your facility. What do you do there? What's your core operation? How would you describe it to somebody that wants to know what it is you spend your days
2: doing? Well, we're pretty unique, uh, I think, just because of way we do business with respect to our training. And and we've gone uh, when we first got in the business, we had a vision going one way, and ten years later, we've kind of gone the opposite way. Uh, but I mean, if you somebody were to say, "Hey, what is your gym a little bit more unique and why?" We just say, "Hey, we're hitting, we're we're really targeting. We you know, I hate the profile, but we're really targeting people. We're we're hitting group fitness. We want to have people in a group setting that." kind of promote each other or inspire each other to work out harder. Um, we're in a, obviously a safe environment. Uh, COVID has been a real challenge. Uh, instead of having high numbers, we've decided, listen, let's not be greedy. Let's keep it down. So it's more manageable and, and make sure it's safe for our, for our clients or our people. Um, and and we've combined a lot of my own personal passions with respect to fitness and strength training And with kickboxing, and we just made it so unique that in our community, which we're a small community, at the end of the day, we're about 22,000 within our, our community, we have a surrounding population, so we're maybe 30,000 people. Um, And we do have we have the box gyms, we have other competitors, uh, but we're so unique that we don't really offend anybody because or challenge anybody because we're so unique. In what we do, and and I think we have a mutual respect with each other. You know, whether it's CrossFit or a smaller, uh, a smaller uh, uh, venue, um, we have that mutual respect. That you know, they're all out, and we're all doing the same thing, trying to make our community and people healthier. At the end of the day,
1: that's that's kind of the the big thing, right? Is the whatever way we can share what we have, our knowledge, our passion, our drive to impact as many people in the community, right? Our immediate circle of influence and, and theirs, to, you know, one or two degrees of separation usually to, to see if we can just kind of bring everything forward, right? Bring everybody's health, mental, physical, all forward. So, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about how you got there and what gave you this passion and your, your drive to give back and, and do it. I think, um, it would be I'd be remiss if I didn't say that you've been serving your community for a long time in a different fashion. So you're no stranger to putting in the hours and uh, putting yourself through it in order to serve your area.
2: So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's uh, you know everybody's got their own reason why they do this type of stuff, and usually it's because of your passion with with fitness in the industry. What kind of gets you into there for myself. I I mean, I was a police officer for 30 years and about my 20th year, I had sustained some pretty nasty injuries. I've had two back surgeries. I was involved in a car accident uh, while on duty. Uh, So I was, you know, not even thinking about it. I'd go into the gym. I've always been active. My background initially was hockey. Um, You know, I played at a pretty elite level and all of a sudden now, you know, I'm not quite good enough to get up to where I needed to get to, uh, so then, let's go into a career that's team-oriented, which obviously for my, for me was policing. Uh, loved it tremendously, uh, but it, it had some drawbacks. I mean, uh, what, which, and please, uh, you know, next copper you see, walk down the street, just thank them because I'll tell you what they see, what they go through uh, mentally. Um, can be really tough. And, and I was there, I was involved in that and I, I, open it, I openly shared uh, that I had experienced PTSD because of uh, some fatalities I, were, I was involved in and other things, you know, repetitive uh, uh, things that I saw and stuff. So for me, when I got into the gym was number one uh, or fitness was, I just kept getting hurt. I'd go into a gym, I'd work out and I, I couldn't walk for two days and I couldn't figure out why. And of course, being a strong type A personality, I said, you know, I'm going to become a personal trainer. I'm going to figure out what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. And I'm going to, I'm going to be this great athlete and get back to shape that I was in, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, The reality is as much as we think we know in a gym setting and we do the stuff old school, you end up hurting yourself. And then boom, I became a personal trainer, learned how to do it. Then from there, I got into, well, why is my back so sore? Got into the anatomy. So I got into something called uh, fascial stretch therapy, which, uh, Chris and Anne Frederick, uh, Frederick are wonderful people. Kevin Darby here in Canada. And so from that point on, I kind of grew not just fitness-wise, but also my ability to understand the body and how it works and how to kind of fix it. And again, totally selfish, uh, honestly. It was just for me to get better and become a better person. Now, my wife and I are very much a team uh, in this whole setup of everything in my goal. So when I said, hey, I want to do this, we had just had a child. So Tina was off for the, for that year. So I was taking that time to learn how to do it. And it was really tough because a lot of times as a gym owner or somebody who's involved in this industry, you like mama bear spends time alone because you're so buried into what you're doing. And let's face it, the fitness industry is a tough industry to make it. And, you know, and to go past that three or four years of in business, it's tough. And you put a wicked amount of time into it. So for me, it was just getting fixed up mentally. Now, I kind of touched on the PTSD. For me, I didn't really understand what was going through my mind, what was going through my body. So I would just keep myself busy. So I would work all day. Then I'd go to a a facility that we actually negotiated with, with a daycare to use their gym. And I would teach and then I'd get to bed around 11, 12 o'clock, and then I'd sleep for that whole whopping four or five hours. Then I'd start up again, not knowing it was more of a mental thing, just to exhaust myself. Uh, then obviously, as I grew and understood a little bit more, I was able to uh, build the business and take care of myself as well.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on is you said that, and and I know you didn't mean it strictly uh, as a literal sense, but you said that it was uh, kind of a selfish thing how you got into it because you were trying to help yourself be better, feel better, move better, recover better. But it really parallels a lot of what we hear. You know, we talk to a lot of people who are personal trainers or CrossFit trainers or, you know, weight loss transformation coaches or whatever it is. And a lot of times it comes from our own personal experience that gives us the drive, right? People don't don't often, you know, sit in a high school classroom and think, you know, I want to be a a gym owner or a personal trainer. It's the people who may be undersized and kind of hit the weight room and learn through that way, or people who have, you know, weight issues or body image issues or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of people who have some type of personal transformation and, and it is good that you find that you focus on yourself, but somewhere along the line, we all have a coach or a trainer or somebody who we learn from. And does inspire us to say like, oh, I was here. Something helped me, whether it's a book I read or a video or a coach. So I think it's, it is good that we, we know that if we take care of ourselves and do the right things that we can have these transformations. Um, But then the drive to become, to share it, to put it out there in the community is something where um, I think it's, it's kind of a match made in heaven. If you have this service oriented personality and you have some sort of transformation, or you know, maybe maybe some sort of personal tragedy, a, a car accident, uh, you know, something like that. It's sometimes it's rehab for people that drives it. I think that it it all it always comes back to having this experience that's transformative, and then knowing that you have the drive to help other people, and it just comes together probably about as perfectly as anyone's entrepreneurial wake up call can. Um, it's not one of these things where people aren't now, we, we, you know, we all see gym owners, you know, and, and I've seen my fair share who are making a hundred, $300,000 a year, but that's not the majority yet. You know, we, we hope that enough people listen to us and, um, you know, everybody gets more successful or as successful as they want to be, but people don't get into it for the money. They get into it because they have a passion and they want to help people. And if they put the work in, uh, success is one of those things that isn't far behind. So it's no surprise that you, you know, 10 years in have a full gym and classes packed and, in our are at a capacity where you feel like you don't have any pressure to add people and you're just so satisfied. Um, I, you know, we don't hear that enough. and And I appreciate your perspective.
2: Yeah. You know what, Dom, you, you totally nailed it on the head on this one. Uh, it, it is, I mean, you have to wear two hats here. You have to keep it afloat and be successful so that you're not taking your own money out of your pocket and feeding it to keep others. You're right. Uh, you do with personal experience right off the bat, whether you were a pro athlete with a way you trained or whether it's just, like you said, tragedy, uh, you know, you, you personal experiences and, and your mind really um you know, you become certainly more compassionate you become um, you you empathize for people, you really feel for them and, and you want, you've been there. If you've been there, you know what it's like for me with the back surgeries, I know what chronic back pain was like. I know it struggles and I know mentally how it struggles. Uh, So when you do combine that with, um, with your passion, but you still have to have a business head. I know when we first started, um, after we, you know, it was so funny. I, and I remember this from one guy who was a trainer and he'd been around forever and he said, Mike, do whatever you're good at. And I'm thinking, gee, I really like kickboxing. Cause when I got into mixed martial arts and the jiu-jitsu initially, some 20 years ago, I really didn't, couldn't care less about belting. I really didn't care about it. What I enjoyed was the kickboxing. I enjoyed the sparring and that was, you know, some may say we're crazy to, to take one off the nose, but it just, that was something I enjoyed doing And so I was able to take that and put it into the program as I developed. And and that was one thing that really stuck to me is stick to what you're good at and embrace it and expand from it. Don't try to be the CrossFit guy. Don't try to be the strength training guy. Don't try to be the bodybuilder guy. Stick to what you're good at and make it work together. And as you grow, you're going to grow bigger, better, and smarter with your clients. And, And for me, My personal experience was developing, but it was so funny. I remember this didn't start off uh, just with me saying, Hey, I'm going to be a trainer. Everybody's going to come to me because I'm a great guy. No, first of all, you got to have a personality that you can talk to people and make people feel good about themselves. No doubt about it. You got to be able to say good job, but you got to also say, listen, I need you to step it up. I need you to do this or that. And how to get them to perform. Uh, The other thing is you're going to have to hit the pavement. You're going to have to go out and do stuff. And I know with my small community, we're dealing with a budget and, and the budget was pretty minimal. Like I I didn't want to start putting my house on um, you know, I didn't want to mortgage my home. I didn't want to risk my family's comfort because I had a goal of keeping busy and doing stuff. So, I mean, we went out with with flyers and just bombarded vehicles and, and I'm not going to lie to you. We targeted, I said, this is what I want. And you know what? I was hitting the cars that had baby seats in them. I wanted the mom who who was you know wanted who needed mummy time and I and I appreciated that and the mom that maybe just had birth uh, you know two months prior or three months prior and is bombarded by home life and try and get that mixed so that they can actually um, feel good about themselves. I mean there's a lot of stuff that goes on with uh, with birth. Uh, moms having, uh, you know, uh, depression afterwards, or just their lifestyle changes. And I and I really, we targeted. We wanted people with, you know, who maybe mentally struggled in their confidence. We were looking for that, because we were building them up, which was awesome. We went out our first class that we held, we brought in 15 people. And I was ecstatic. We, at the time, my son was at a, a daycare. And I really didn't have a facility. I mean, I had no money to really drop into this and so i went in and said hey listen guys would you be interested in letting us use the facility in exchange i will make sure it's clean and tidy so a one-hour class would take me three hours because i'd go in i'd have to take all their daycare stuff out of this gym which wasn't used it was maybe 1500 square feet I'd, i'd set it up prep it up bring all my stuff in and then we'd run the class and then everybody would leave and I would take them off, and I, I'd become the janitor for that day. Like you had to make and meet, but there was no monetary uh, exchange. So I was able, it was just my time. And once we built it, we went from 15 to 20 to 30. All of a sudden I had a full class. And we're like, Holy moly, this is awesome. But it took time. It took time away from my family. And like I said, my wife was very much involved in it and I couldn't have done it without her. I'm also very, very fortunate that my father-in-law owns and runs a very successful um, restaurant, and so although he didn't understand the fitness industry, he understood. You know, he was very simple. He said, "Mike, if you, if you don't depend on anyone else, if you don't, if you can't do it yourself, don't don't bring in somebody else to do it because it's going to leave you hanging." So you know what? We did that. We kept with that model. Anything that I, if I trained, it was for me. The problem with that is you sell yourself, right? You're marketing yourself. And if I've, I have brought, we're at to a point where we're running seven days a week. We had multiple classes with other trainers, but people want you because you've, you've marketed yourself with a certain personality. We've, you know, I brought in a trainer who's a phenomenal yoga teacher, but she wanted to go into uh, personal training and training group training. I went, wonderful, here's your opportunity. I brought her 20 people by within three months, we were down the two. So sometimes it just doesn't work. Right. Um, so again, you stick to yourself and you build, we did this for three, almost yeah, three years that we worked out of this gym, this deal it was exhausting. We actually able to make another class out of it. So we actually ran two classes a night to the point where we bought our own facility. And when you start dropping coin on a whole building, um, you know, and, and it wasn't a gym. So, Again, uh, and I thank my father for this because he gave me the tools to know how to build and have the confidence to do stuff. We gutted the place and we did everything ourselves. And we kept it simple. It was a, just a big open concept. And from there, we've grown and grown and grown. And we just put the money back into the facility and it's worked for us. But yeah, you got a pound. You got to be able to do things. You can't spend a million dollars on, on equipment for the money that you don't have. Jeepers, for the first four years, I was buying goodwill stuff um so yeah we're buying goodwill stuff weights and stuff to uh, to get through so yeah it just that's the way we made it work and it seems to have uh, successful
1: yeah you you said a lot of good things in there and, and i probably wouldn't do you any justice if i tried to summarize them all but some things that you realized pretty early on where you were doing targeted marketing to a demographic that you chose that you knew um, you know, I always reference a book called The Pumpkin Plan. It talks about having, you know, finding and grooming your ideal client base, and not not trying to be everything to everyone. So you knew um, people that you could serve pretty well, and that you wanted were were new moms. So you said, "Oh, car with a car seat, and it makes sense, right? I'm going to get moms." So you were doing really like guerrilla hand to hand marketing or hand-to-windshield marketing uh, <laughs> in a very targeted basis and that's a big lesson is know who you want to serve know who you think and sometimes you have to be in business to know who your best clients are then you can adapt but you have to know that uh, just going out with the thought process of I'm gonna I can fix everybody I can help everybody you can't and it's not going to do anybody the best service to not figure out something you can change your mind but you have to have an idea right a niche uh some type of target audience so you figure that out early and that's great and the other big thing that we come across so often and you actually used a, a phrase that just hits the nail on the head you became a personality brand right your personality was the brand of the gym heck your name is on the gym right so it was so hard to escape that uh that it's really something that you have to know is that going to be your hill to stand on Am I always going to be the one that's there? Am I going to be the brand? How, you know, how do I want to grow as an entrepreneur? And I don't think it's right or wrong. I think it's just knowing that that is something that you can, uh, I don't want to call it a trap you can fall into, but it's something that people don't think about because so many people start out solo. They know everybody that walks in, right? They're, they're, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands. They know everybody's family and all that. And then you want to grow and add another coach and people are just attached to you. And then it's, it's a really hard thing to break early on. And, and it's really just a matter of awareness. And the fact that you, you see that and you know that it's, it's just, it's what you've created, that awareness is huge. So I think those are really two big things that I, that I took away, uh, out of, out of a lot. And thankfully people listening to the podcast can hit the rewind button a couple of times because you packed a lot in there. Um, we are getting close. We're almost out of time. And it's it's kind of my least favorite part of the podcast, but also my favorite at the same time, because you've got some time in the industry, you've, you've had some things go well, you've had some things that were, you know, gave you a little adversity. What would you say your biggest lesson is, or the, the biggest piece of advice you might give younger you or somebody who's, you know, thinking about going into this business or is in it and and new, what would you say, uh, you know, biggest lesson, biggest piece of advice from your time in the business would be?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know what, my, my biggest advice, and, and I make it, recommend it, don't take on more than you can chew. Um, start off slow, don't soak all your money into one thing. We all have ideas. My initial idea was I'm going to teach, I'm going to work with hockey teams, I'm going to work with high-end hockey players, which, which I do. I work with professional athletes, but it's, well, that was my goal, but it, don't be flexible. You might have to change to accommodate for success, and don't chew on too much. Don't go out and buy a 5,000 square foot building when you don't have the income to do it. Take it slow uh, and learn. Be willing to learn to listen. This podcast is fantastic, uh, and I'm glad that you know it's it's about an ego thing. If if I can offer you some help without worrying about my ego getting hurt because I screwed up or I didn't you know, work with it, run with it and put your heart into it, guys. Um, you know, yeah, it's passion, but also be business oriented. You have to be.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a fine line and a great mix to you have to come in this with the passion, with the love, with the idea that, you know, you want to help as many people as you're able to in the way that you can. Uh, but it is ultimately a business and whatever your goals are, the longer your business survives and thrives, the more people you can help. The longer you can be around, from it, you don't do anybody any good if you're closed. So there is that balance there, and and we're trying to put that out and you know get some good business education out there and talk about best practices and and I think you're a good example of it and and I appreciate your time being here today. I, I've learned a lot, and I I think our audience will too.
2: Great, Dom. I appreciate you having us uh, again. My wife sends her. Uh, her regards uh, she couldn't make it i would have loved to have her here we are a joint team and uh yeah without her support and without the great clients that we have our girls are awesome and uh yeah i just you know i love them to death because they're all just so unique but yeah fantastic appreciate the opportunity and uh hey if anybody wants to touch base with us absolutely i don't mind answering any questions again uh your success is my success and vice versa we're all in it for the same reason reach out
1: to Mike. Just don't call him Chloe. He might hang up on you. Or yeah. maybe, you'll just, oh boy. maybe you'll have a good laugh over it. So Mike, I appreciate your time and to everybody out there and listening, we appreciate your time. We thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us. If you want to hear more episodes, get notified when they drop, click the subscribe button, drop us a like, leave us a comment. We love all of the feedback, anything that you want to hear, leave us a comment request. If you want to be on the podcast, We wanna hear your story. We're gonna get as many of these out as we can. Click the link in the description. Someone from the team, will get back to you as soon as possible. Just fill out that form. To everybody out there in Jim Lord's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere.
0: We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode.
3: Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches and learn more about their business and business knowledge as a whole. I'm your host, Ryan Carson, and today we're here with Danelle Nelson. Danelle, how's it going? Great. Thank you for being on the podcast today.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome.
3: Absolutely. So uh, real quick, kind of let the audience know, um, what is the name of your facility and where are you guys located at?
4: Um. So I own a couple of Anytime Fitnesses out of Minnesota, so south suburb area in Lakeville, Farmington, so south St. Paul, Minneapolis area.
3: Okay, awesome. So just just a couple of workout Anytimes, right? Like no big deal? Right? Yeah, no big deal, yeah. a yeah.
4: couple of them. <laughs> yeah,
3: got it. And so how long have you how long have you been a gym owner?
4: Uh, since July of 2015, so okay. six years, yeah. Awesome. High-five.
3: Yeah, it, it really does. So uh, I'm just curious, like kind of, you know, what led you what led you down this path to become a gym owner and kind of get into the get into the madness, so to speak?
4: Yeah. um, So I've been in the industry since 2005. It's just hard to imagine. But um, so I actually started in college. I thought I was going to be a nurse just to help people. It's kind of what I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. one of my first classes, we had to give like a shot to an orange and that did not go over well. (laughs) So I thought like, I better figure out a different uh, occupation. And at that point, I realized that like, I'd rather help on the preventative side before people get like super sick and need to be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got into kinesiology and I started training in college just because it was a great college job. Um, Never really thought like, oh, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Um, And I graduated and I was like, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I love training. So I started working for a boutique style studio called Orange Shoe Personal Fitness Mm -hmm. and in Madison, Wisconsin. And we worked, we just did like exclusively one-on-one coaching and small group coaching. So very small boutique style. Um, Did that for oh man, I don't know, since 2009 to 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved to Minnesota and I just kind of, I knew I wanted to stay in fitness um, and I had the opportunity to uh, buy into Anytime Fitness. And so I, I did, I thought it was the next step and it's it's been great. I, overall, like I just love helping people. And I think now more than ever, yeah. um, our real issue is like we have an obesity epidemic. Yeah. Um, And like the more that we can talk about it and it's not about just going to the gym to, you know flex your biceps and look good and stuff like that but it's about like making your life better um, and being better for the people around you. So that's kind of how I got into it, Um, you know stair-stepping, I didn't at whatever one point say like I'm gonna own a gym someday, Uh, I just kind of, it kind of happened, it felt right and uh, just been rolling with the punches.
3: Yeah, that's uh yeah, that that's a great story. And and one cool thing about it is, you know, you got in it to help people. So, you know, naturally, and I mean, usually that that's the story, but I think for, you know, for yours, it seems a little bit different because, you know, you like you started like, you know, from the very beginning, you wanted to help people. You just it sounds like you just didn't know, you know, what would fit best for you to be able to help people, right? Until <laughs> until you really got into it. So um what's cool about it is. You know, it's kind of like the natural progression, like, you know, when you get like when you're a trainer, you know, you can help people, but you're limited to so many, right? Like, you know, you kind of cap out. But then when it comes to the gym owner thing, like you may not be involved directly with all these people. But I mean, your reach, you know, that you have just by, you know, being the owner of the facility, you know, I mean, you have such a bigger impact than you would, you know, just kind of being on your own, you know, training somewhere.
4: Absolutely. Mm hmm.
3: Now what? Um, so so that was the first location. So how did the second location come about, and what year was that?
4: Um, so that was shortly after. So basically, um, it was it's real close. So like Farmington and Lakeville are I don't know seven miles apart. Mm-hmm. And the owner of that club at the time had a another job was working like overseas, and so the club just was poorly managed. Yeah, And we were just getting a lot of phone calls at our other location, just saying like, Hey, you know, I need to do this and I can't get hold of someone in the office or this, that, and the other. And so essentially like, and so I have a business partner. Um, we just went to him and we just said like, look, um, we want to buy our club. Um, it, it seems like maybe this isn't what you thought it was going to be. And I think, um, there was a period of time where people would buy Anytime Fitness and think like this is a great investment. I don't have to do anything with it. It's just mm-hmm. going to run itself. And that's not how it is. that's not how it is. No. Uh, it's a great dream, but it's not yeah. it's not reality. And so I think that's kind of why he got into it. And he was like, absolutely, I'd love to sell. It's a headache to me. And so then we uh, bought that location. And like in all honesty, it, in our you know optimistic minds, we're like, this is gonna be super easy. We're gonna come in. We're gonna be present. And Boom, it's going to like turn over a profit. And it took much longer than we thought it uh, was going to be just because it did have a bad reputation that we had to like earn back the trust of the community with.
3: Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. And, and one thing I've saw, you know, over the years, especially when you have um, franchises that are so close together like that, like with, especially like an, an anytime fitness or like a workout anytime or something, like people are still under the assumption, I guess, that it's, that everything's kind of corporate right so they think just because something's going on at yours it should be happening over here and vice versa yeah and i would assume you know as far as the reputation thing goes i mean you're probably worried about your reputation you know just because of what was going on over there yeah yeah
4: yeah because you know the public is gonna think okay an anytime fitness is an anytime fitness yeah reality yeah there are certain things we have to have but a lot of it is up to the owners um, especially when it comes to like coaching and, and stuff like that we can kind of do whatever we want yeah
3: absolutely so looking back at that now like do you think that was the right decision to make to buy yeah. that so you would do it again if you had the yeah. okay
4: and I think like you know you just you have to have realistic expectations yeah. and I you know was like oh this is everything's going to be easy. Um, But yet it's, you know, things aren't easy, but that's how you grow and that's how you learn. Yeah. Um, So you can, you know, apply that to the next, the next jump in your, in your life. So
5: yeah, Yeah.
4: do it again.
3: Absolutely. So when it comes to like um, the business model, like, I mean, I'm familiar with, you know, Anytime Fitness and most of our audience is, but some of them, you know, some are more geared towards training. I know that you know, haven't, have talked to some, you know, in corporate that, you know, training is kind of, you know, that's how they are wanting it to go. So do you guys incorporate training at both locations? And if so, like what types?
4: Yes, we, um we do incorporate training at both locations. Since I came from like a background of a boutique style studio where we only did training, that was one of the things it was like a, a, low, a low hanging fruit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah wouldn't we do training? Um, and so we started, I started doing, I, th- I can't, remember, I think I call it like weight loss warriors or something back. Mm-hmm. In the day. And it was basically group training. Um, then over the time we called it team training. Um, and so before COVID we did team training, so large groups, uh, some of our sessions would have, you know, 15, 16 people in them. Then we did small group or semi-private coaching. So four to six people in a session and then one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. um with COVID like we had a lot of restrictions here in Minnesota um and one was like occupancy you know and you couldn't right. have people everyone had to be six feet apart and stuff so at that point we just then did small group and one-on-one coaching
1: mm-hmm. um,
4: and you know did that through COVID and evaluated um a while ago a couple months ago and was like you know what like at the end of the day, like we want to help people, but we also have to make money in order to pay our bills and pay our employees and, and have yes. that profit. and you, profits have to come first. And the profit margins are just way better in small group training than they are in team training. Yeah. Um, so we just didn't bring team training back um, for two reasons. One, like the profitability of it. And then two, like, who knows what's going to happen this winter, but we know we will probably be able to work with four people at a time. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not 18. But, um, so just, it's just a little bit more safe safety wise, um, with who knows what the restrictions will be, if it happens to happen.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're not the only one that, um, didn't bring back group training. So I did the same thing, you know, we got back and evaluate and see, I was looking for an out on that anyways. And, you know, we, we had a decent amount of people in, and, you know, we probably had 30 or 40 in our, in large group training. And it just got to the point where, like you said, the profitability is not there, like even pre COVID, like, you know, before when when we had larger numbers, but you know, the problem that I saw with it was, you know, like some people get to the point where they, you know, quote unquote, like ascend, like they should be out of that, they should be doing something else, you know, it it was a really good starter point, it was like a good feeder to our more like high ticket programs. But um, yeah, after a while, it got to where it just wasn't making sense. And like you said, COVID was a really good, you know, way to kind of, you know, cut that out. And I think a lot of people after COVID, you know, of, of course, we couldn't do the group training either. But you know, when you get them in small groups, they start to like it more. And, you know, at that point, it's already been, I mean, well over a year that they've even done a large group. So it's like, you know, there's really no point in bringing it back.
4: Yeah, and it's kind of like you know when you look back at it, like COVID allowed you to like stand still and take a clear look at everything. It was kind of like the eighty twenty principle, right? Like it was maybe bringing in twenty percent of your income, but it, it was eighty percent of your problems.
3: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you
4: know, like. You had like the scheduling questions with the billing uh, instructors, like all of that. And so when we went to small group, we were able to provide our customer a better product. They got they felt like they got a more customized workout. Um, our staff enjoyed teaching them more because they felt like they could connect more individually with each person. Yeah. Um, and it it did like it kind of took away. Um, we had a little bit of like cattiness in some of the group, and it just took it away. And so, yeah. it was like, hey, it was. Kind of a, It was a blessing because you could blame it on COVID and people can't really argue with you on that yeah, one.
3: <laughs> that's that's true. And it's so funny you bring up the cattiness thing, you know, because we had it. And that that's one thing I laugh about. Like a, a lot of people talk, like when I talk to some boutique studios, like I'm not talking like CrossFit, I'm talking like, you know, strictly boutique. A lot of them talk about, you know, it's their community. And I'm like, you know, you probably have a good good community. I'm not, you know, anywhere you have a group of people doing the same thing, you know, community is kind of a byproduct of that, but they never mentioned the, the pettiness and the cattiness. Like you talked about, like there were times that I would have to fill in if an instructor was out and, um, you know, some new people would come into the class just because I was there and I'd have some regulars be like, Hey, like, I'm, I know you probably don't know this cause you're not in here a lot, but that's so-and-so spot and it, like it's not going to go over well and i was like really like this this is a thing
4: so yeah. i had no idea yeah it's um you know, it, and it's it's kind of funny but i guess it's in our people's human natures right you get a big group and so so you know who knows someone says something and in small communities and things travel down and yeah so
3: yeah definitely yeah good point right there so as far as like okay so what do you what do you guys do right now to to bring new people in like and that could be for just general memberships or that could be for programs like what's your strategy right there
4: um so we run facebook ads and Mm -hmm. usually we're gonna we cycle through so each month it'll be something different but kind of the same thing we try to bring them in on like a two-week paid training trial Mm -hmm. um might be called like you know uh summer slim down fall back into fitness turkey right so based on like the holiday and essentially you know we meet with them really get really listen to them get to know them what what is the pain that they're feeling what what do they need the solution for Mm. um and then get them into our small group training program um let them try it like two weeks i mean they still pay for it and they pay this a little bit more than what it would come Um, for their biweekly billing and then at the end of the two weeks uh, converting them into a longer term package. Yeah. So we've had really good success with that Um, this month. Well, let's say like mid September, uh, Facebook is a little bit, you know, iffy. Uh, We're not getting the leads that we were getting in. So, you know, really working with the team on, you know, referrals, bringing friends to sessions um, like with our current clients in October, you know, fall fitness challenge and so everyone's packages got upgraded. So if they were doing like twice a week, we're going to give them, you know, three, four unlimited times per week. So that they get used to maybe coming in more, um, and right. maybe might want to upgrade their package, bring a friend, uh, stuff like that. Um, but the majority of our leads, uh, you know, marketing wise right now come in from, from Facebook or our website. We have like a seven day uh, mm-hmm. trial.
3: Okay. Awesome. Now, are you doing, are you guys doing those ads or is this like a, a corporate franchise thing that?
4: Yeah. So on the, on our website, that's a corporate website and there's like a, you know, a seven day trial.
5: Yeah.
4: That's all corporate. Um, and so we do do our ads um, myself. And then there's four other Anytime Fitness owners. We started a marketing company in um. A, of this year mm-hmm. we put our gyms between us we had 14 gyms and we said like hey look we want to provide gym owners a like reasonable um marketing service uh we had known mm-hmm. people who had spent fourteen thousand dollars in one month in marketing uh, um, you know and it just like yeah. added up and they weren't getting the returns like once they started looking at how much they paid mm-hmm. it just again profit not about like how much money comes in yeah um, and so we work like you know, let's if we were to set an ad. So let's say like right now it's, um, it's fall back into fitness challenge. Mm-hmm. So we have that ad and we create it. Can we replicate it for each location? So it's not like you have to redo everything. And be At yeah. a, a better cost point or for the owner. Um, mm-hmm. So we so we are running our own ads uh, through our marketing company um, and doing that. So.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. And and that it's good. That, I mean. When it comes to, I think like we can kind of go back to the thing like, okay, I I bought into this franchise, everything's going to be great. And it's not a knock on, on Anytime Fitness or any other franchises, but until people really understand Facebook ads, they, they have no idea like the depth that these things go. Like, I mean, a lot of people, you know, that I, that i talk to, um, even, even gyms like in my area, you know, if they're like, Hey, like, how, how did you do this? How did you do that? I'm like, oh, Facebook guys are like, okay, well, you know, we're boosting posts, right? And I'm like, oh, you're you're boosting posts, huh? They're like, yeah, like all these people saw it. And I'm like, oh, we need we need to talk.
4: You yeah. know, because
3: that is it's not it. That's not it at all.
4: No. And it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where there's no magic formula, right? You put it out there and you watch it. And if it doesn't do well, you turn it off, you turn it back on. Like, yeah. If, and sometimes they do great and sometimes they don't do good at all. Um you just keep trying
3: yeah and that that's one thing well i mean i've had ads that have that have tanked and then i i turned them off you know maybe like i hey, let's try it, two weeks later or maybe maybe i would accidentally turn it back on like not even know and then they would they would kill it like out of nowhere yeah. you know, So like you said it you know it can be unpredictable but that's the biggest thing i think there there's also the misconception from people that like if they get burned on facebook ads you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, I spent this much money on this ad and it didn't work. And it's like, well, you can't just have one ad. Like you got to, you have to test a lot. You know, yeah. you got to have, I mean, I mean, all kinds of, you have to look at all the numbers, you know, and, and I think that's, that's one thing. It's good that you guys are doing that, you know, trying to, you know, show people that there's more to it than just, you know, your post boosting and, and whatnot.
4: Yeah. And we told like our our clients and we just work with any time fitness um, owners. We told them too what we notice is ads will do better on pages where they're posting regularly, regularly, mm-hmm. like raw, authentic content from their yes. product, right. Something so bad. not the scheduled posts that we get from corporate because corporate will schedule like a post. So like, it will tell, like, so, you know, the more active you can show up on your Facebook page and just be yourself and show your culture and your clients and your staff, the better your ads are going to do,
5: Yeah.
4: Um, you know? And so it's kind of like, you know, for our clients, it's like, build your Facebook page, like have it be you. And then when you Mm run the ads, it's going to be a little bit easier to get those leads.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a good point when it and when it comes to that content, it's one of those things like, I was guilty of this for the longest. Well, two things I was guilty of number one, before I really knew about ads, I would post all this content and get tons of likes, you know, and I was like, ah, people like this, you know, or they thought it was funny. Like, oh, people, you know, it's awesome. We're getting all this exposure, but you know, no one came in from that. So I I was like, well, I guess, I mean, everyone just thinks I'm hilarious, right? Like I'm a comedian, (laughs) but it's not making me any money. So um, yeah, whenever you make that switch and then also like you said posting your own content of your gym you know I mean it doesn't have to be much but it has to be like like you said real and authentic and I think a lot of people will they'll you know record something and then you know they want to make it perfect you know when it comes to that you just have to get it out there yeah I mean you just have to get it out there
4: and I was uh telling one of my staff members I was like people want to talk to a human they want to know you're human, not a robot. Like, so just yeah. be yourself. When you make a mistake, I left a voicemail and I left the wrong number. And I was like, I'm totally sorry. That's not our number. Yeah. Um, here it yeah. is. Right. And she called back and she was like, That was great. I was like, It's actually a person calling. Yeah. Um, and so, in a, in an error where everything's automated and there's this, like, just show up as yourself and no one expects perfection. And sometimes some of those raw, like that raw content where you, you make a mistake, those will sometimes do better than the stuff that you polish up and make perfect.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. So as far as, all right, so we know, so that's what you do for your training. So for your general memberships, are you guys pretty much just doing like the, like your website or are you promoting like separately for that too, to get people in?
4: So pretty much just the memberships, um, twice a year we'll do like Facebook ads for, Mm -hmm. uh, or just our website, sorry. And then twice a year we'll do Facebook ads for memberships um what we have found like even the leads we collect on the two-week training trials like if they don't sign up for training they're usually signing up for a membership so either way we're getting that membership at some point like because if they're doing yeah. a, they convert to training they have a membership and if like they're like hey that was a good kickstart but I you know want a membership so it kind of feeds in with the the training ads
3: yeah yeah it does and and that's the cool thing about it like um, especially that you guys have, have the open gym too, like that, you know, you can, I mean, essentially just downsell people into your membership program where like when you were at the the studio itself, like you didn't have that option, right? Like if people left, they, they just, they just kind of left. Like that was it.
4: Yeah. So there's always that option.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it is cool though, with, with the background that you have, you know, doing the one-on-one and the studio boutique thing for so long, but you can incorporate that into into your gym now because that's one area that we see that people are missing the boat on. Um, I mean, big time. And then, you know, some people want to want to bring in contractors and whatnot, you know, and that can be okay, But, you know, you also cap yourself, especially Uh if you have, you know, if someone caps out at 500 a month, you know, paying you rent. And it's like, okay, so the only way to make more money is to get more. But I mean, you don't want 20 trainers in there all contractors you know I mean because that would I mean that's just not a good dynamic for the gym and still you're only making ten thousand dollars from that so I mean it it makes no sense unless that's what you want but I think most people um, you know they realize that the more money you make you know as a company the more profit you make the more people you can reach yep the more you can help yep so between the two locations which one is your favorite
4: Ooh, that's a tough question
3: i mean Um, not knocking the members or the staff but
4: um oh boy probably lakeville just because i spend so i live really close to lakeville location like it's like two minutes yeah Um, and so i spend most of my time there have um i feel like the community is really uh tight-knit it's actually it's kind of cool because it's not it's the smaller of the two gyms. It has mm-hmm. the other equipment. It's not the nice one, um, but it's the one that we do the most training out of. And I think it's just like the culture of it is yeah. what makes it. Um, but they both—I mean, they both have great culture. Yeah. Much nicer gym equipment-wise, space-wise, all of that. Um, but I'd probably have to say like the just because I'm there the most, I know the I know more of the members probably.
3: Was that the was that the one you bought first? Uh, Is that your first one? Okay. So that's your baby. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Got it.
4: So yeah. And like, um, but like, I don't know. Like there's times I'm at Farmington. I think it's kind of like wherever I am the most, I get to know people and their stories, and that's what makes it fun.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So for the Farmington people, if you're listening to this, she does not hate you.
4: That's so right. <laughs> don't cancel
3: your membership. We're just talking like what's familiar here, right? Like where you're at the most. So. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, what's, uh, I didn't ask, what's the uh, square footage is on the facilities?
4: Oh, boy. I'm really bad with numbers. Um, So I should know. Um, I want to say like Farmington is like 6,000 mm-hmm. square feet and it like feels like four.
3: Okay. All right.
4: But it might be, it might be, I don't know, Phil might be sick. I mean, they're not giant, but they're not small.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm curious, like with COVID, um, you know, every state had different restrictions. Like, for, for example, here, like I'm in Tennessee, so we, we shut down a month and a half. Um, and I, I hate telling that to people on here because, you know, we have a lot of northern gym owners that come on here, a lot of people in Canada. And I feel like I get this look like you ass, like a month and a half, really. That's all it was. But just curious, like what, what the shutdown time was for you guys.
4: Yeah. It's funny. One of my business partners in the marketing company, his gyms are in Tennessee. So oh, like, cool. I'm like, you were shut down for two weeks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: You don't get it. Um. So we, we were closed what the middle of March to the middle of June. Okay. Um, and then we, Reopened and then we were shut down again from the middle of November to the middle of December. Man,
3: so how did that go? Like when you had to shut down the second time, what was that conversation like for the members? Was it? Did they pretty much know that it was coming? I mean,
4: yeah, it was. Um, it was definitely like I think people the first time was just a shock. Um, yeah. and I was I I'm not one to watch the news like. Nah. It's I don't know, not I don't very know. positive, so I don't want to fill myself up with negative things. Yeah. So people were asking me about it, and I was like, COVID, like, whatever. And so we had sent out this, like, mass muni- communication Monday morning saying, like, hey, like, we're all about keeping you safe in the gym. And like, we put the the hashtag, like, not today COVID. And then, like, Monday night, the governor's like, everyone health club needs to shut down um, by noon tomorrow. And we're all like, What? like is this like everyone was in shock mm-hmm. um we the second time around i think people kind of saw it coming they're like yeah. no the cases are on the rise we're probably going to shut down we were told we were going to shut down i want to say at least it was like we were told tuesday and we had to friday so it wasn't like a 24-hour thing like the first mm-hmm. time um and members were pretty good uh we had switched our coaching all to virtual so for yeah. them it's easy we're like okay guys we're gonna go back to virtual you're all used to it here's the link yada mm-hmm. yada mm-hmm. Um, and I think people were very confident it was only going to be one month and yeah. so pretty good about it like yeah
3: that's good yeah. yeah and so after the first time you got shut down like after the hashtag not today COVID <laughs> did you like go back and be like hashtag today COVID
4: yep i think we did it we're like okay hashtag today Today, Um, we will be closing uh noon on tomorrow or or whatnot yeah but it did like we had gained some momentum from june until we closed like in november so that second Mm -hmm. shutdown i feel like the members did better but it it just like took the wind out of our sails like team-wise
5: yeah right so uh,
4: we that momentum we were getting a It's like boom closed again and it so it was harder to almost come back from it because you're like oh, okay
5: yeah then,
4: now we're gonna get shut down again and nope like February and we didn't yeah. like you kind of have in the back of your head like I'm gonna work really hard and then you know a mandate comes down and our doors are closed
3: yeah I know and and I love that you brought that up and like that you don't care to share that because I think so many times people think you know as gym owners that we're we should always it's always like you know, we radiate positivity. Like we never have bad days, which of course that's what we try to do. But, you know, I dealt with the same thing when we came back, you know, of course, you know, it was nothing, you know, compared to what you guys had, but we had talks of it. So it was tough to motivate staff because they kind of saw this as, well, I mean, is it really going to be worth doing this? Because Mm -hmm. what if this happens or what if that happens? Or, you know, I'm like, you know, I get it, but we can't go off the what ifs. We just got to operate, right now you know for today and this is what we're dealing with today yeah You know. so yeah that, that's a good point and um you know I don't like to get too like I, I never get political on here or talk about you know COVID or beliefs or anything like that but yeah looking back at it, it like it's almost like it was a dream like I'm like I really really had to shut down my business you know it, it's crazy to, to think that like never in a million years would you think yeah, I mean we both started in 2015. Did you ever think that you'd be forced to shut down?
4: No, like it's just and you now you're kind of on the other side of it, right? Yeah. So it definitely feels like a dream. We're like, oh, did that really happen? Did we really did we really go through that? Um and you kind of forget, I'm like, what was it really like? Um, yeah. but yeah, you never like you never thought it would happen.
3: Yeah. And what's so crazy is, you know, so October, so next month. Um, will be two years that like they started talking about COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts. It's like been the longest two years, but also the shortest, you know, weird.
4: So it was, yeah, that's why I always tell people like, yeah, it was tough, but it was probably the best thing to have happened to us um, because it really stopped us dead in our tracks and we had to evaluate everything,
1: right?
4: Mm -hmm. You're not having... (laughs) all this money come in and you want to like, so what are you, what are you going to keep? What are you going to yeah. cut? Um, yeah. So there was a lot of things we just didn't want to rip the bandaid off of because it wouldn't be fun. Right. And that's true. We had personal connections to the people or the community. And so we we're hanging on to things that were really, maybe they weren't costing us. Like they weren't not profitable, but they weren't giving us the profit enough. And they were taking away from taking our time from things we could have been doing better. Yeah. Um, and so it allowed us to really just look at it through the lens of no emotion, right? Yeah. Like, what are we gonna that's,
3: do? That's so true. And the numbers, you know, your your P Ls, your bank statements, you know, those numbers have no emotions, yep. right? Like it is what it is. And yeah, a lot of people, when the thing you said about time, people don't think about that. But you know, just because something, you know, maybe you're not losing money in this area, but it's like you know, as a business owner and your managers you know, I mean, you have a certain set of skills, you know, that other people don't have. So, I mean, you need to be spending your time on the things that are more productive and like that move the business forward. Right. Instead of just like doing the things, you know, not to knock on, you know, any like front desk or anything, but you don't need to be doing the things that they can do. You need to be doing things that, you know, only Danelle can do. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. So it just allowed us to, you know, be aware of everything. And I think I have a coach and she always says like, awareness is key, right? So what you're, what you are aware of, you can control what yeah. you are not aware of controls you. And so like, it stops you and you had to, you took inventory and you became aware of everything going on. And then without emotion, we're able to say like, well, this doesn't make sense. This, you know, we need to do this, this, and yeah. then pick up and go. So, you know, like when you move houses and you always say like, you know what, we should have a pretend moving party every four years because you get all the projects <laughs> done yeah. that you've been thinking about doing but you just don't do and like you like go through and house clean and stuff yeah kind of the same thing i'm kind of like we need to have like a a covid a covid shutdown like not actual covid shutdown but practice
3: yeah like a test run
4: years, just to be yeah. like okay like if if that were to happen what would we do um, yeah
3: well i mean at school like they do tornado drills right yeah, fire,
4: yeah. Drills. yeah. fire drills
3: yeah there you go yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like,
0: well, did you well, ever watch
3: the, did you ever watch the office?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, you know, whenever, um, Pam sells the house, right. I
4: don't without... think I watch that one.
3: All right. So yeah, she sells the house without Jim knowing blah, blah, blah. Long story short. He's like, so that's why the house has been so clean. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's why the house has been so, so yeah, th- that's a, that's a good point you make. Like, you know, and all these people, you know, I, our staff, you know, it's funny that you have to Like, well, what are you doing for cleaning? What are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? It's like, you know, we were already doing that stuff, you know, and you know, still at the same level that we were, you know, that, you know, I mean, we want it all to be. um, I have a cleaning crew that comes in, and basically they're like, our goal is for it to be, you know, like hospital grade, like you could eat off the floor, basically, you know, and then it's the staff's job to to maintain that. But um, I was like, yeah, I mean, we'll put it out there. Like, we're already doing it. But I, I guess if we need to bring more awareness to it, sure, you know. But it's funny that no one really asked like, what are you doing for cleaning like before all this? You know, I mean, just and I mean, they're basically making it like, yeah, COVID this and that, which I get. But it's like, so you guys have never been worried about staff or <laughs> or anything yeah. like that. You know.
0: Yeah.
3: All right. So we are getting towards the end of the podcast here. So one thing I always like to ask people, um, let's say a year from now, what does growth look like for you? As a company,
4: as a company, so, um, growth for us is really expanding, probably ideally like for each location, expanding by 10 to 15 K monthly in training revenue,
0: mm-hmm. um,
4: being able to help more people that way. Cause we know that's where people actually see, uh, the results that they want, um, and becoming a little bit more active in the community. Um, in a way of bringing awareness to like fitness being, (laughs) we say like, like, you know, we, we hear so much talk about the vaccine and no matter what people think about that, like whatever, but like, let's talk about like, take care of yourself, yourself, like move your body, eat healthy and stuff like that. Um, like that is also an important component of health. And I think if we can growth for us is, is being more active in the community and having that voice um and being the place where people can come and ask questions yeah confident that like hey like these are the professionals in the area um and I think for all of us in the in the fitness industry the more we can like you know get that professional like people to view us as as much as important as health professionals as like a doctor and a nurse um we can make a huge change in the health of our country but we have to we have to show up as that professional every day for our communities
3: yeah, for sure. And uh, that's a good point. You know, basically like the white coats, right? Like, you know, the doctor. So I've told staff before, that's how we need to be. Um, you know, I've even threatened, you know, like, look, if you guys don't do this, then I'm going to have you wear white coats. And they're like, really? Would you do that? And I was like, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> right. So Yeah. Well, awesome. Danielle. thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, great high level conversation. I enjoyed it. And I hope you did, too.
4: I did. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And for our audience out there, if you found value from this podcast, please click the subscribe button. And if you're a gym owner and you want to be featured in the podcast, click the link in the description. Apply to be a guest. Until next time, Gym Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today I'm here with my guest, owner of Team Muljo in New York, Mr. John Muljo. How are you doing today?
5: I'm doing very well, Dominic. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Definitely excited to uh, dive into some fun business chat.
1: Heck yeah, man. There's, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, there's a lot going on with your model and. Future is bright for you there. But let's talk about right now. Tell us what you're all about. What's what's Team Mojo about? Tell us about Purple and, and how you guys get down.
5: Yeah. Uh, so Team Mojo Strength and Conditioning, we are an appointment based facility located in Shrub Oak, New York. So that's Westchester County, um, you know, maybe about 40 miles north of New York City. We service student athletes, adults, and our primary offerings are personal training, group training, and small group training. Um, We are a 7,500 square foot facility. We had just expanded to about 7,500 square feet in the past uh, year and a half. And our our primary focus is to try and offer the, the higher quality type of, you know, fitness experience that people are looking for. Our brand colors are purple and people ask me all the time why why purple Um, number one if you're asking why purple then it got your attention and it's doing a good job sticking out so that's number one and number two it's my mom's favorite color and I love my mom so I made it purple
1: I mean you don't need a better reason than that that's for (laughs) sure people always say happy wife, happy, life. But I mean, if you can make your mom happy, right. That's, that's, that's big time, man. She brought you into this world. So that's, that's super cool. So you've been in the industry a long time we're, we're cracking on 13 years or so yep. in the fitness industry in seven years as an owner with the facility of your own. So I always like to start somewhere near the beginning, right? So when you have, you were training, you loved it. You're making impact clients like this is this is this is the business I want to be in what prompted you to make the move to sign that first lease to get the brick and mortar going what were the pros and cons for you there and what pushed you over the edge
5: yeah so um so I started my career as a personal trainer working for a health club and long story short I had some disagreements with my uh, manager at that health club and he ended up firing me and when he fired me uh, a lot of my clients wanted to continue to work with me in some capacity. So I just had a fast track to the independent contractor life. Uh, at that point, I was renting a lot of local spaces in uh, in the area. I was doing a lot of home visits for clients. And I just continued to try and, you know, put myself out there, make myself known as a coach and allow um allow myself to get as as much work, as much experience as possible. And I did that for about a year and a half. And in that time frame, I found a local facility that essentially became my home. I rented that facility for a year and I grew my business substantially having kind of a home base. And once I realized that I was kind of outgrowing that space and my monthly income was you know, relatively good. I knew it was time to start looking at, at my own facility. Um, so, I had also started coaching football, and in my own hometown, I found a a reasonable facility that I could afford. It was convenient for my clients, and I had saved up enough money to cover all of the initial expenses to to get the gym started. So, my goal was to to get things going in in a in a debt free um, starting point. So. I signed my lease in the end of 2014 and 2015 was kind of like the first full year of running a brick and mortar facility. And I was in that location for three years, same story, continued to work hard, built a team of great people, put out a good product, put out a good service, and we outgrew that facility. And we found, again, another facility that was affordable, that was convenient to our existing clients, and also um in an appealing market to take on new clients and we could afford the initial expenses to start the gym to again you know essentially relocate the business and start from a debt free um standpoint so the the main thing is you know trying trying to build yourself and, and do things as lean and mean as possible and not have to take on um you know unnecessary debt you could take on smart debt but not take on unnecessary debt and We are in our fourth year in our, what was a 5,000 square foot facility. It continued to grow and become successful. So we expanded our basement, which added an additional 2,500 square feet. So we're here today at a 7,500 square foot facility, still trying to do our thing, adapt and continue to grow a successful business in uh, an ever-changing world, it seems like.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. So lots to unpack there, but I'm going to try my best to summarize it and make sure that we hit the key points. So, you're in the training industry and no surprise that anybody who's an entrepreneur is going to have some, have some headbutts working for somebody else, especially sure. because there's so much philosophical possibility for differences. But you had an established clientele, so that made you feel good about getting your own spot. Right. You had a, you had a good savings account, so that made you feel more comfortable that you weren't going to open the doors and not be able to eat right away right. between the clients you had and the, the money that you had saved. So you do that. And then even, even when you go into the next facility, you're thinking, right. If I move too far, move someplace inconvenient, I'm going to lose a lot of people. Right. If I don't have a spot that's in an, an economically viable area and the rent's cheap. It's not going to do me any good because nobody's going to come and, and pay. Right. Me. So it was all really calculated to the extent Yeah, you, it was, can, never, you can never guarantee anything. It was business.
5: finding, finding the best location. If you took, if you drew a Venn diagram and one circle was retention and the other circle was growth, you had to find a location that kind of had that, that overlap, you know? Yeah.
1: And so it really, like the stages, you've never just been like, I'm going to wing it. This feels good. I'm going to do it. You've at least made sure that you've put whatever you could in place to safeguard you against against that next step and right. the downside. Right. Yep. So you do that, you're continuing to grow, you're growing a, a, a three headed monster of group training, or large group training, small group training, and then private, you know, one on one training, things are rolling along, and then COVID comes, right? So for some gyms, as I'm sure you know, you know, 35, maybe touching on 40% in the aftermath, gyms just close. they go out, right, managed to weather the storm,
5: and find some silver linings in the COVID cloud. So, what did that sure. look like for you? So, um, I think the biggest, there's there's a bunch of silver linings. Number one, you know, being able to get through COVID speaks volumes to to the community and the culture that we have here. So, um, I'd like just to you know give thanks to one my staff and team, and then you know the people who continue to support us through those difficult times. But, you know, you have to adapt and change. At the end of the day, people wanted something to do, so we tried to provide them as best of a service in the circumstances that we were dealt. So we immediately switched to um, online coaching and we had a regular online uh, scheduling class. We would host trivia nights via Zoom, just things that kept kept the sense of community alive through through COVID. And we started to really, you know, put some thoughts behind building a virtual platform, which we currently, um, are offering today. And it opened up the world for remote coaching and remote training. I had a lot of clients relocate, um, because of COVID and they wanted to continue to do something with me in some capacity. So I started to do remote coaching, remote programming, and, you know, I built a little bit of a revenue in, in that area. And it's something that has a lot of opportunity and I'm, I'm, a relatively busy in-person coach, but I know that that's an area that, if we decide to put some brain power and some time and some money behind, it's it's something that we can grow and it could be a huge asset to the business.
1: Got it. Got it. So you have really everything. It sounds like for you, is something happens, it's a step back, it's a breath, it's a how do we make the best of this do what's right for, for the business, for you as the business owner, for the business to exist, right. your staff, and also the client. There's not any decisions made in a vacuum there. It's, you know, certain things have to be priority in, in certain place. They can't all be equal, but it's never just, I'm going to make this decision and where the chips fall, they fall. It's really every right. single time is wh- how does this affect all of it? Potential upside, potential downside, we roll. Like that's, it's kind of a theme with you there. So you go through, you know, COVID shows a lot of people that, Hey, you know um, you can't work out with a bunch of people. You might not want to work out with some strangers, but if we do smaller groups or one-on-one, you're going to get more attention, you're gonna get better results. And go, oh, this is cool. It costs a little bit more, maybe a lot more depending on what they are coming from. But where a lot of people think that, that clients, they may like you, they may like your community. They may like the purple, whatever it is. Ultimately what drives people into the doors is they're looking for an outcome. So if all of a sudden you've made that drawn this map and you're like, Hey, I just folded the map in half and you're already here. People are going to see value in that or enough people are going to see value in it to make it a viable option and something you really have to give credence to. Right.
5: Yeah. And look, it, 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 definitely COVID definitely transitioned our, our, our larger group classes um, into not so large group classes. It, it impacted that business, but, you know, like you mentioned, it, it had a positive impact on private training and small group training. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to our facility layout is like, I think one of the most COVID friendly layouts, like it's got we we're four separate training areas. So for a gym, that's, Predominantly 70 to 80 percent of private training and small group training in about a thousand eleven hundred square foot is is each gym. It's you and your coach, or you and the, the maybe one or two other people that you're working with and your coach. Um, so that's definitely, definitely helpful. And it it became more appealing for people. Like people kind of got scared into taking control of their health and trying to do things that are gonna help them become healthy. And and we have coaches who really care about our clients, coaches who are continuously learning to try and give our members the the best service, the best program, the best opportunities for them to achieve the things that they want to achieve. And it's gotten to a point that people are willing to pay for that. And I think in our community, most people know that Team Mojo is not the cheap, the cheapest gym. You know, it's not a cheap gym, but it's it's a gym that offers a lot of value and Um, Every day we fight to make sure that we're worth that value for our clients.
1: Fighting to make sure that you that you're worth the value is that's a powerful statement because people these conversations all the time and, and it's, you know, people will say, how do I charge more? How do I how do I get more? How do I get my arm up? Whatever you call it. And I always want the conversation to be like, how can you give more value? Like, yeah how you give so much that that your rates seem unreasonably low for what you're giving and there's there's always there's always a benefit in that i mean we you know we talk about it all the time people will pay no knock on soul cycle but people will pay 300 400 a month to go do bike rides because they feel like there's value in it so you know when gym owners say like you know i can't charge 200 dollars a month or i can't charge 300 a month or nobody wants semi-private training it's like Oh there's people that want it but you have to be able to right. present the value and deliver on it because right. if you're if you're full of shit if you're if your food sucks your restaurant's going to close right if you're sure. gym and giving that experience you can sell the value but if they don't see it they're gone right you have every day they show up you have to reassure them they've made the right decision
5: yeah you you I mean you have to earn people's business every day it's you know if someone signs on for for you know, three personal training sessions a week for for one year, right? That's not guaranteed income. Like at any point in time, someone is gonna can stop. Like if if they don't like what they're getting from you, like how much value does your contract really hold, right? People cancel contracts all the time, um, you know. So you have to continue to to demonstrate your value to those people that are spending money. And I see the common mistake a lot of people make, um, especially in the fitness industry, is They want to make more money and they want to do less. And that sounds like a great plan. But if you talk to, you know, any entrepreneur or anyone who owns a business or anyone who really, um, you know, is focused on building wealth, they're working their ass off all the time. (laughs) Like all of my clients that, that, you know, that do well for themselves and they're well, they're always working, they're always willing to take on what's next, they're always trying to find the next thing that's going to help give them a competitive advantage, they're always trying to add value to the people that they work with, they're not trying to make more money doing less, and that gets promised uh, all over the place, like, you know, sit home behind your computer and make 10 grand a month, or do this and do that, and like, that's just not reality, if you want to make more for yourself, do more for others, and you know we've had to raise our rates quite a few times and anytime we raise our rates it has to come from a standpoint of all right how do we communicate to our members and our clients that this is why we're raising our weights? and it's not because our exp- our rent went up or our cleaning expenses have doubled or our insurance is going up our rates are going up because we're going to start to offer you this this and this and this is the value you're going to get out of it absolutely and i think I don't know if you're familiar with the book, The E-Myth. Sure, it's my favorite book.
1: So everybody mistakes that and is like, I got to get out of my business as quickly as possible. And it's like, and I think he's even said, and I forget, somebody interviewed him and they're like, hey, do you think that uh, you made people think that they could get out of their business too fast? And I think his reply was just a string of expletives. Like that was, that's one of those things. And and that's that mentality is like, how quick, it's like, no, no. You don't need to do less. You might need to do different or you might need to leverage. But, you know, especially in a high touch service business like a gym or something like that, you got to be involved to some degree. Right. If you want to be absentee, uh, be ready to not be around for too long, because it just even people who outsource their gym or have it fully staffed still going to look at some reports. They still have to manage staff, manage managers are like, you don't get out of it. It's just not, it's not that business. You know, if you want to do something that you don't have to manage, like put, you know, hit the lottery, put all your money in an index fund and just, you know, don't ever look at it. Other than that, you got to show up. So appreciate that, that point of view for sure. So let's talk about some operational stuff because I think a lot of what you layered in did have operations, but also is philosophical and I like both sides, but I like to talk about client life cycle and how you handle different stages. So if we can touch on those parts, I'm interested to see how you're handling it right now in this quasi post pandemic world. So first step for every gym acquisition, right? Marketing, getting people in the door, getting people to raise their hand. What do you do for that? What's working for you to get more people, get new people interested in coming to you?
5: So what has always been and will continue, what will continue to be, I think the most successful way for for us is, is referrals. And in order to get good referrals, you have to continue to do great for the people that you're working with we ran online marketing. We run challenges that are a little bit more low barrier offer and kind of get people involved to show them, um, you know, uh, a snippet or, you know, of, of what Team Mojo is and what they can expect from us and the experience they're going to have here. But our our best business comes from referrals from our members. And I've spent probably at this point tens of thousands of dollars on you know, online-based marketing. And for a period of time, a few years ago, it was successful, um, currently not very um, successful. And those things are cyclical. Those things change. Re- referrals, you know, they're not, you know, you, you're, they're not a machine of, of new members, but when you get a referral, it is someone who's already pre-qualified, for you, and they're more likely to stick around for for the long haul. These these online clients we get, they'll stick around for maybe a month or two months, right? So, if, I'd rather take one client who's going to stick around for you know five years than ten clients who collectively stick around for you know three years or or four years. Um, but we're always looking for ways to add members, and I, I'm I'm always focused on you know. Other than referrals, what can we start to focus on? Is it Facebook marketing? Is it putting better quality content on our social media platforms? Is it getting more involved in the community? Um, So you always have to be thinking about those things that are going to fill the top end of your funnel and then making sure your funnel is kind of like in check. So you're, you know, you're dripping out quality people and clients that are going to be lifetime clients. Absolutely. So
1: when it comes to the sales process, when the majority of your business is coming through word of mouth or referrals, it makes the sale less salesy. It makes it, <clears throat> and it has that no like, and trust. So how do you, how do you orchestrate that process with the majority of your sales and new clients being referrals and word of mouth right, right now?
5: Yeah. So if we, if we get a referral or, you know, any new member who, who just reaches out, it, it always starts off with some type of consultation. So we'll do a pre-call on the phone, get to know a little bit about them, what their goals are, who they know from the facility? If it's a student athlete, where do they go to school? What sports are they playing? Just try and get like a quick picture of, you know, who's walking into the facility, and um, we'll schedule the consultation. We'll provide some availability uh, on our end, and we'll disclose to them like consultation is going to cost X amount of dollars. But in the event that you sign up for a membership, we waive the consultation fee upon signing up as a member. In the consultation. We teach them our, our warm up. We put them through a movement assessment. We give them a tour of the facility, and we really dive into that person's health history profile. And I think, our in our consultation, we we tend to educate people on things that they don't necessarily think of, and we also, um, you know, learn some things about them that they probably didn't know about themselves either. So try and demonstrate our value within that one hour of of working with with the potential new referral. And then at the end of the consultation, our coaches make a professional recommendation based on where you are at today, where you wanna be in three months, based on your health history, based on your injuries, based on all of the things I just learned from you in the last hour. My professional recommendation for you is either group training, private training, semi-private training, a combination of it, right? You are the professional and you know what that person needs better than they need, That better than they know what they need. Because they might sit there and say like, oh, well, I want to do classes. Well, some of our classes might not necessarily necessarily be appropriate for you right now. But what I do think you need is some individualized coaching so we can teach, educate, and prepare you when you're in a group setting of 10 people and a coach isn't going to be able to teach you different techniques or isn't going to be able to give you the feedback that you need in order to make sure you're doing something safely and effectively. And after you give your professional recommendation, you sit back and that's, I kind of guess where the, you know, the negotiations begin where, you know, you kind of, this is what they want. This is what you recommend. Hopefully they settle on what you recommend. If not, you kind of meet them somewhere and get them started with something.
1: Awesome. And I love that consultative prescriptive model. And, and you really add some horsepower to it by putting a dollar value on top of it. Like you're really next level pre people. Um, And we don't have to go into the dollar amount, but is it in line with what you would charge for one-on-one training session? Is it somewhere it's, it's based on, all right. So you're also establishing value right away with this is a coach. This is someone who has experience this is what their time is worth. And, right. and you don't want to get too caught up in the trading time for dollars, but you're immediately establishing like and this, this is what an expert
5: is worth. And the goal is even if that person doesn't sign up for something, I I would guarantee they got way more value than what they spent on that consultation
1: there's that word again, just you looking and give value everywhere you can. So that's that's a big theme. And I hope it keeps popping up. So you have that, You you prescribe, you negotiate to the degree. And I'm sure that there's probably, you know, if you know someone needs something, they're not ready for group classes, I'm sure that there's probably at least an equal chance that you might say, hey, we're not a good fit. If you don't think that they actually could handle it. But there's probably some in between, like, hey, you know what? I think I should do five personal training sessions. Then will you tell me where I am? Yeah. There's, there's some wiggle room there, but you're not coming off of, hey, I want to set you up for success from day one. And I can, either, I can either, either give you what you're asking for and then wonder why you dropped off after a month. Or I can draw the line in the sand right here and say like, hey, you know what? You should do some PT at minimum. Let's get you in some semi-private, Yep. You're getting a little more attention. It's not going to be the best, but not everybody needs, you know, it's like Ford, you know, Cadillac, Ferrari, not everybody like Ferrari is cool. It'll get you there the fastest and you'll look best, but a Cadillac's comfortable. It's a little less money and you're still going to get where you need to safely. So I like that you, you have that recommendation and that prescription, and you're not afraid to say, Hey, I know what you want. And you're not just pointing to prices on a board or on a sheet. Like I, this is what you want. You can get there, but let's have you do this. Right. So, do you layer anything else in? Do you make? Do you have nutritionists or nutrition recommendations? Do you have accountability? We, what other things do you layer in besides their their training with a coach at whatever le- level?
5: So, I really like to differentiate ourselves by trying to provide our clients with the best of the best in all areas and. uh, a mistake that a lot of people make is when they when they hire a strength and conditioning coach or a personal trainer. They also think they're hiring a nutritionist and dietitian, an accountability coach, a friend, like someone. That you, like you, you will you will have to to wear many hats, and that's just the reality. And you know any any legitimate coach should be able to provide you know general recommendations in the areas of recovery nutrition, hydration, right? And most of the time, if you can get people to do the basics, they're going to have some level of success and results. So we actually have um, a separate brand, Inner Nutrition, in here that that focuses on sleep, recovery, nutrition. And the gentleman who runs that brand is highly educated and highly experienced in that area. So I'm at a point where if someone is stuck with nutrition or stuck with recovery, immediately get referred to him. And it's in-house. So we used to have like off-site nutritionists, and, but it's in-house, he's here, he can meet with people, he's got some products on display in front of the facility, um, and he is very, very knowledgeable. And you know, for some of my clients who I've had for a long time, I'll speak with them and say, look, let's let's offer these people X, Y and Z. I would like to offer to them as a value add or, you know, he'll charge his consultation rate and he'll demonstrate his 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 worth in his consultation. Um, but again, we want that high end client. We want people who are all in and they've got the discretionary income to. You know, to invest in the best opportunities for themselves, because if you listen to the coaching expertise, I give my clients in nutrition and sleep recovery, and then you listen to his expertise, I'll spend the extra whatever amount of money to make sure I'm working with this guy, right? And I can keep my focus on um, making sure people's bodies are performing well, their, their training programs are in check, and you know the relationships are constantly being built. They feel comfortable, they feel confident, but at least in the area of you know, recovery, nutrition, and uh, supplementation. We have a great asset in the facility to kind of refer that refer that out. Awesome. So, what
1: haven't we covered? Is there anything else that you offer to your clientele? That's any other differentiator? That's any other value add? Have we hit all the topics? Is there anything else that you offer that you think just adds that next layer to the
5: business? I just i. I you know, the, our, our point of differentiation, I would argue, is, is, is trying to offer high end coaching, you know, is we don't want people coming in and just getting a workout. We want to provide education and get people bought into, you know, why they're doing things, how to do things well, when should they be doing things. And I think the more you empower and educate your clients, um, it's your advantage, right? Like you should try and coach yourself out of a job. But if you're continuing to develop your skills as a coach, develop your expertise and, you know, increase your teaching ability, then you should always have something left to dangle in front of your clients to make sure that they also feel like they're getting better. They're learning more. They're feeling more confident. Um, And again, they're getting value each day, each week, each month, each year that they're a member.
1: Yeah. So you are just you're top to bottom. You know who you are. You know what you're doing. You know how you want to do it, who you want to have do it. Like we're, you know, the, the client journey is covered in, in so many aspects. Um, you know, you dealt with COVID, you came out on the other side of that. The business is, is by all intents, firing on all cylinders. Um, are there any challenges for you? Are there any roadblocks or hurdles for you? Things that you're trying to get better at, learn, skills you're trying to acquire, things that are going to push the needle for Mojo going forward?
5: Yeah, I, I just think the the biggest obstacle has been just the uncertainty of the world. Uh, you know, as as an entrepreneur, I've I've always put these timeline goals uh on my plate. And the uncertainty of the world has kind of made that a little bit of a gray area for me. So it's kind of just been like a, you know, hold the line of the business, continue to do well what you do well, let's pour into that. But, you know, whether it's looking at another location or, you know, trying to get involved in like some other other new project, right? That that has been just kind of uncertain because the world's kind of been uncertain. Um, So that's just been like the biggest obstacle and challenge. And that's everyone in the world, right? So when you have members who are uncertain about what's going on in the world, when you have staff that's uncertain what's going on in the world, um, it makes it really difficult to... um, you know, kind of get a clear picture and a clear vision on what you want your future um, to be like. And, you know, that that doesn't mean it's impossible, but if we've learned anything from, from COVID, it's um, everything can change seemingly overnight. And the last thing you want to do as a business owner is put yourself, put your staff and put your community in a position that um, if you do face some new adversity or some new challenges, you're not going to put yourself in the best position to to fight that next battle. So right now it's just making sure the business is in a great position to, to accept the challenges that are coming with the world and as things, hopefully get back to um, a more constant state uh, and a more predictable state, then we'll, you know, as a community, figure out what's next to, to take on to further grow the Team Mojo community.
1: So you're using your calculated, you know, measured approach to really try to future-proof yourself as much as you can so that whenever you make that next step, whatever the next thing is you dive into, you're like, all right, well, now I have another perspective of how wild the world can get. Sure. So I'm going to be this much more certain. You're never going to be a hundred percent. I need to be this much more certain based on what I've seen before I do it.
5: Yeah. And, and, and the business is in a, is in a good place right now and that's not guaranteed, but we're, making sure that we're doing everything within our control to make sure the business stays in a good place. And, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're always trying to like harp on to like, what's next. And sometimes the best way to protect yourself and, and, and defend yourself from the future is to kind of stay put where things are. Right. And we've kind of been in this stay put stage and that doesn't mean like they tell you if your business isn't growing, your business is dying. Like, the business is is growing it's just um it's just growing a little bit differently and we're not in a position to make you know some some crazy changes because we don't know what what uh what's going to happen in the future so
1: yeah yeah i think if you're not growing you're dying is accurate to some degree right you can't stay stagnant that could be in your learning that could be in your you know that the value you're adding internally it doesn't mean that you're always just pouring gasoline on a bonfire
5: right right and look like if you if you could run a facility that's hitting top line revenue you know it should and it's operating in the margins you know it should and and you can do that year after year then then you're in a good you're in a good place right like you're in this this there's plenty of businesses out there that this business is going to do this and that's what you could expect from it. And now it's, you know, eventually time to either try and, you know, duplicate that elsewhere or find additional ways to continue to grow. Which for us, it potentially could be the, uh, you know, the the virtual platform or remote coaching or. Your, your eyes are open to
1: all the possibilities. So yeah. we are just about out of time. I know we could jam on this stuff for hours, but before I let you go, I always like to hit people square in the head with this question You've been in the game a long time. You've seen a lot of things, learned a lot of lessons. If there was, I know it's hard to distill it to one thing, but if there was one lesson you could teach your younger self, maybe force on your younger self or somebody who's earlier on in the game that you think
5: would serve you the most, what do you think it would be? So, my my brain goes to two two different standpoints. So, as an entrepreneur, um, I wish I would have told my younger self to start investing in my future earlier, right? And I started pretty young. I started, you know dealing with my retirement at like 27, getting into the market when I was like, you know, 28, 29. So I wish I would have done some of those things a little bit earlier. Um, But as a, uh, a coach, I would say... You know, I've I've always operated from a standpoint of like, you know, go, 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 do what you can take as much on your plate as possible and, and, and good things would happen. So try and, you know, avoid that a little bit, uh, maybe, maybe dial things back. And I, I don't really want to put this out to the audience because there's not a lot of people out there that in fitness that need to dial things back. If anything, you need to dial things 30 notches forward. Um, but you know, sometimes to to dial things back and really take points uh, in life on this journey to to appreciate everything that you've done, but everything other people have done for for the business as well.
1: I'd say that's pretty sound advice. Judging by where you are, where the business is, uh, it seems like it's working for you. So we'll roll with that. Before I let you go, where can people find you online, website, social media? give us all that stuff, plug whatever you got.
5: Yeah. So you could find uh, my personal Facebook is John Moljo. We have a website, teammoljo.com, Instagram, teammoljo. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, we also have a Facebook page, teammoljo. So that's me.
1: All right, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you for being on with us today. Appreciate it. And to everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you for spending some of your day with us. We hope you found value in this episode. If you didn't hit the rewind button, put your listening ears on. Is there some bombs in here? If you want to hear more episodes, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. If you want to be on the show, click the link in the description, fill out the form. Someone from the team will get in touch with you as soon as possible.
5: Oh, can I give a shameless plug before we wrap up? Yes, sir. So a lot of people uh, hate the, the air bike and I'm a huge advocate for the air bike so much that I actually designed an entire training manual for the air bike. So you can get on Amazon, improve, per, Improving Performance on the Air Bike by John Moljo. This is a step-by-step way to step up your game using the air bike and how you can use the air bike to provide your clients with, with optimal results as well. So that's my shameless plug. That's awesome, man. It, Buy it, my book on Amazon.
1: Improving Performance on the Air Bike. We're not going to say what brand air bike necessarily, but just an air bike. Some of an them, might, bike, yeah. some of them might break a little more frequently than others, but find yeah. one. So this this bike.
5: book is designed for all air bikes, but I mean, if if you want to know what my favorite air bike is, then you can, you know, you can buy the book. You can buy the book, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man!
1: To everybody out there in Jim Ward's nation, thanks for listening. Keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Keep kicking ass. Jim Wards
0: out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alex'sgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com.